Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix. I'm Jason Miller. We're going to discuss technologies today that are improving the way we support our warfighters at the edge. My guests today are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical for the Army. Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director for the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army, Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab, retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE, and Scott Susie, the Director of DOD for Nutanix. Everyone, welcome to the discussion. Thanks for having us. Before we get started today, let me set some context for our discussion. Recently, the Defense Department participated in the Enhanced Logistics Base, or ELB, demonstration in Norway. The goal of this exercise, called Trident Juncture 2018, is to test, refine, and further develop existing or new capabilities while coordinating and integrating with NATO and other partners. The exercise demonstrated future capabilities of autonomous and autonomized systems within military logistics. The integrated Enhanced Logistics Base will cover off aspects of future logistics in the military-civilian demonstration to include fully integrated autonomous and autonomous logistics stream. It sounds like a fascinating effort, and you could see all the potential technologies there like remote machine guns, cube storage, even field-made 3D printers. Now, none of these great technologies will work without the full capacity, without data, without connectivity. And it's imperative for DoD to ensure warfighters can access data from anywhere at any time. One way that's starting to happen is the increased use of cloud computing services, which many see as critical to maintaining the nation's military advantage. Today and tomorrow, cloud services can help transform the warfighter's ability to meet their mission in a safe and secure manner. Now add to that merging capabilities like artificial intelligence and machine learning, and the potential to make warfighters better and faster is just huge. And again, that's where our guests come in. There's so much expectation and excitement around creating the warfighter of the future. Once again, my guests are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control and Communications Tactical for the U.S. Army. Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director of the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army. Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE. And Scott Susie, the Director of DOD for Nutanix. So a lot there to unpack. Let me just start with uh, General Bassett. Let's talk a little bit about getting warfighters better tactical capabilities. What's the current state? How are you guys doing it today? Many of your listeners may know the Army's been on a path for more than the last year taking a hard look at our tactical communications infrastructure and our tactical networks with the recognition that the network we have, the, the network that we're able to put in the field today, is certainly not the network we want to have in the future and a network that we think will take advantage of all the advanced technologies that uh, you just described. And so the Army has been on the process of, of what we've described as a halt, fix, and pivot strategy, where we're going to halt uh, efforts which we know won't get us to our end state, we're going to make changes. We're going to fix some programmatic efforts and some new capabilities that we know we can bring to the field quickly. And we're going to pivot to both a new process for experimenting and delivering technology as, a, as well as a new set of capabilities that get us to the network that we know we need to get to in the future. It's not going to happen overnight, uh, but we've been on that path and have begun experimentation. We've done that along four main lines of effort. First, uh, what we call unified transport, which is about putting the you know, the pipes in place that get data from point A to point B, not just within the tactical space, but then reaching back into the enterprise uh, over strategic systems. Uh, our second line of effort involves the mission command systems and moving to a common operating environment 
where we don't have uh, mission command systems that are built into stovepipes, but rather can leverage a common framework of software to give our soldiers a common operating and picture that works across our battlefield functional areas and reduces the amount of uh, servers and infrastructure we have to bring to the field. The, the third and fourth lines of effort focus on both interoperability as well as making our command posts more deployable, more survivable, more capable. And so, so across all four of those lines of effort, we, got we have efforts underway, both programmatic as well as uh, with experimentation driven through uh, General Pete Gallagher and our CFT, trying to help us uh, learn from immediate soldier feedback so we can uh, move towards a model where we don't necessarily you know, start with a set of requirements that were written back at a schoolhouse somewhere, but rather get equipment quickly into the hands of soldiers, be able to leverage what technology can deliver, and then make much quicker decisions about what we can field across the force. All right, let me bring in uh, Colonel Ryan as well, because I know, Colonel Ryan, you were a recent brigade commander, and, and you've experienced this maybe firsthand while on the ground in Afghanistan and Iraq. Maybe talk a little about your experience of where the Army is at today and where it can go in the future. The first question I asked when I got brought out here is, how do we leverage lessons from yesterday uh, with technologies tomorrow to continue to produce a lethal force? And what I've got to see, being both a soft guy who spent time in the soft forces and, and the conventional forces, is soft does it a little bit more rapidly. Step one. Two is the Army can be a little bit more methodical, but that methodicalness can pay off long-term because of our ability to get sets, kits, and outfits to the force in a way that's feasible, suitable, and survivable. And that, that's a key component of it. When people say rapid, and as I've learned this as I've come into here, is that rapid timepiece, the, the, the race we're against now, I think, is, is, is the best way I can define it, is that the technology we're leveraging today uh, the shelf life is, is much different than it was 10 or 15 years ago. So how do we build a mechanism with, this, with the CFT tied into C3T and tied into the, uh, to AFC to, to, to create the right equipment? And this is where it's interesting because the science of technology and the art of command can come together with us. And, you know, the, the art of command is, you know, how do I give my enemy chaos and how do I build certainty, right? And I think the opposite of that is if I have the right components to create certainty on the battlefield, then my force is more certain. Then I think, I think victory is a little bit more attainable. And if we, can give, if we can create our own certainty and we can create chaos within our enemy because our rapid decision cycle is quicker than our enemy's decision cycle, that's what's going to keep us ahead of, of a near-peer competitor in the future. Let me bring in uh, retired Lieutenant General Butelli, because one of the things that you brought up to me before we got started here today was, are we talking just Army or are we talking broader DOD? So now I'm going to turn to you to, to talk broader DOD, because tactical edge and capabilities to the tactical edge maybe is different for the Army than the Navy or the Marines or the Air Force. So jump in. As we talk about a tactical edge, where that seam is and where that enabling seam is significantly different in Marines and Army and Special Forces than it might be for ships or airplanes or F-35s. So when we talk about the edge, it is not a consistent solution to an aircraft carrier than it is to an M1 tank or a soldier on the battlefield or Marine. And each time we look at it, we don't, we don't want to apply a generic solution across the entire Department of Defense. We have lots of enclaves that operate in different manners. We have cloud that can operate in some environments, but will not operate in other environments. So I think it's really important to define that as we talk about this. Now, Major Bassett, the CFT leaders, uh, Colonel Ryan, represent the Army, and they have a view of the Army, but they also see the strategic piece because they, their systems are embedded in a much larger strategic piece of the Department of Defense. So as we look at it, we have to look you know, from, from the lowest level of the tactical edge all the way up to the enterprise. Let me bring in Angela from uh, Johns Hopkins University, the Applied Physics Lab. One of the things that 
you guys are doing, obviously, is looking at it from not just an academic perspective, but from where the technology is today and where is it's heading. So maybe talk, Angela, if you can, a little bit about the technology and the changing and, and how that's going to help the Army, help the military services more generally, kind of help the warfighter become better and more lethal. You know, our future networks really, the, the whole goal, like you said before, is to assure the exchange of the critical mission information. So the, the future battlefield is going to be incredibly dynamic, um, both, both from a mission and environment perspective, but also from a threat perspective. So, you know, the technology that we're building into the network needs to create the capacity required to transmit data from a wide variety of sources across this increasingly data-rich battlefield. We also need to manage electromagnetic signatures. That's going to be really, really important. So we need the network to be able to operate under contested and, and congested conditions and be able to identify and prioritize and assure that the, the most critical messages make it to their destination, even, even within that contested environment. We also need to worry about being able to trust the messages and the data in the network uh, and thinking about the, the fact that we have really capable cyber threats. So we need technology approaches to secure and protect data at the appropriate level for the mission. So Scott, jump in here because uh, one thing that everyone's laid out is, is basically going to make your job a lot harder. They want the cake, the ice cream, and and the cherry on top. Where is this all heading? Can it be done today or, or can it be done in the future? It can absolutely be done in the future. And so one of the things that, that we try to focus on in Nutanix is taking all of the requirements that have just been laid out here and trying to make it as simple as possible. Because the capabilities that, you know, that are required... They exist today, but with today's tactical application stacks, it requires cobbling together dozens of of disparate uh, software solutions, which take a ton of time to do and make it extremely complex to manage and maintain in the field. So where we're focusing our efforts is trying to give the folks in the field, the the soldiers, the warfighters, a simple interface, things that they that they're used to with uh, interfacing with things like an iPhone or an iPad that make it as simple as possible and reduce the number of moving parts. So that, number one, there are fewer things to break, fewer moving parts. And when they do break, they're easier to fix in the field without having to send a highly trained, you know, highly paid field service engineer to completely rebuild an entire application stack if anything happens in the field. So that's what we're focusing all our efforts on is, is the simplicity of the, uh, of the solution when it actually hits the soldier in the field. If this is uh, General Bassett. If I could follow up on that, I think Scott's point is, is really well taken, that as we deliver all this capability, and we're really talking about you know, processing and data environments and connectivity that our soldiers have never enjoyed, certainly not to the degree that we're trying to deliver it in the future. We've got to do that in a way that doesn't present all of that complexity uh, to our soldiers. And so, you know, in the past, we would sort of layer on functionality after functionality onto our mission command applications and then end up with a system that had so much complexity it wasn't usable or was difficult to troubleshoot or difficult to maintain. And so that's one of the changes, I think, in our current process is we're going to recognize going in that simplicity and usability the ability for commanders to use those tools effectively without a great degree of training or a, a platoon of field sport representatives following along beside them, uh, that's absolutely at the heart of what we're trying to implement. Some of that, we think, can be helped along the way by 
systems that employ, you know, artificial intelligence to help abstract away some of that complexity and, and help assist commanders in turning all that battlefield data that Dr. Dalton mentioned into, into actionable intelligence. And then some of it is about just managing the, those functions and making sure that the things that we deliver work together well. The commercial networks that all of us are used to using with our cell phones and our, our home Internet services have, you know, sort of behind them a pretty complex network of routers and switches and, and access points that enable all of that kind of capability. And, and when we deploy that in a tactical environment, uh, we have to bring it all ourselves. And uh, so we're figuring out how we can leverage that commercial capability but not be utterly rely on it so that we can operate in that contested and congested env environment that Dr. Dalton described. It's, it's absolutely uh, really at the heart of where we're trying to go with this network modernization. We have to take a break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever technology stack suits them and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today, my guests are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical for the Army, Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director of the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army. Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE. And Scott Susi, the Director of DOD for Nutanix. One of the things that, the, that Scott brought up and, and what I think uh, I hear uh, General Bassett talk to is, is the soldiers on the field today are, are much different than the soldiers that were in the field, again, 10, 15, 20 years ago, in terms of their understanding and their expectations. you got to look at the, the most recent war. And since the GWAT started, we were really fixed. So I think what we're trying to get after is a tactical maneuverable force. And if you look at some of the FOBs and some of the ways we've, we've been arrayed to do manhunting missions or fight terrorism, it, it, it was conducive to, to large servers, large stacks, where as we get after maneuver and near peer, we've got to look at that tactical to technical kind of tie-in. The other thing that, I, that we've been working on hard with C3T as a team here is the multi-path diversity, is how do we leverage both FM, how do we leverage both net capabilities, how do we use whatever is available to the, to the force. The, the take back on it is, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the past, I think some of the grievances I had as a brigade commander is, you know, as, as technology improved, we, it, it didn't necessarily improve my ability to communicate. It, 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 it made me do more maintenance, to be honest with you. And now we're trying to get to, and we just did an exercise out at Fort Bliss, Texas, a network integration exercise where we leverage some new means and some new ways to look at how we can communicate in a multi-path in a, in a multi diversity sense so we could leverage what was working, what the enemy could, could take out of, uh, what the enemy could defeat, how could we find a, a pathway to communicate and uh, continue to uh, conduct maneuver operations. I think that has been a success as we push this forward. Yeah, this is Steve Votel, and I appreciate what you say. 
And you're absolutely correct. I think we need to put in perspective after 17 years of war uh, in the Gulf, uh, we've had emerging threats. Uh, we have peer competitors and their adversary set is evolving. And those adversaries have watched very closely, be it on CNN or some other network, how we fight and what we do. And we locked ourselves in for the last 17 years or most of the 17 years because I was part of that process on fighting those particular battles and fights. But we are an expeditionary force, and that expeditionary force has to be ready to fight in any environment, be it a European environment, an Asian environment, or as you said, tracking down high-value targets in strange places. The one thing most of them have in common is by the time we get there, and General Bassett has mentioned this, we're an expeditionary force, and there probably is nothing there. There's no infrastructure any infrastructure that's left has either been destroyed or we'll probably destroy it when we, uh, when we move into the area. So we must bring everything with us. That sounds rather simplistic, but I've had senior leaders tell me and say, all I want to take is this cell phone. And there really is a lack of understanding of what General Bass has already mentioned, the massive amount of the switches and routers and fiber optics and satellite terminals that make that single cell phone do what it needs to do. So as we look at this, we need to look at a holistic view of not just what we know for the last 911 since 2001, but where we might be in an expeditionary force in the next day, year, month, or five years. And it probably will be significantly different, it always is historically, than what it was in the last fight. Steve, this is Scott Susi with Nutanix. Uh, you bring up a great point. And the thing is, is that our adversaries are using common technology that exists today that anybody can use. The only way that we can stay ahead of our adversaries is if we figure out a better way to develop the technology much more quickly through the same iterative-like techniques that folks out in Silicon Valley do. So, you know, we can't afford anymore to do a, you know, a 10-year, $100 billion program to get a new capability out into the field because by the time that hits the field, it is so outdated. I mean, it's... 10 years old by that point. So, and uh, I think there's a, there's a couple of different uh, processes that the BOD is now using, things like the OTA, other traditional... Other transactional authority. Exactly. Thank you very much. Where the DOD can actually do a very quick prototype, figure out if a capability works for the battlefield, and if it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. You've invested maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars at most, move on to the next technology. If it does work, great. We've got a technology that we can actually springboard off of and keep throwing additional funds and further develop that capability. And it happens much, much quicker than the traditional ways that we've done in the, in the federal government. We have to take a break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insiders, sponsored by Nutanix, a federal news radio, part of the Federal News Network. Eight years after the Federal Cloud First initiative, a certain universal truth has emerged. Success in cloud is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. A recent survey revealed that 59% of federal agencies plan to increase their use of private cloud over the next two years. Results from that same survey noted that organizations realize the greatest cost savings and IT agility when using a hybrid cloud model. 
Nutanix gives agencies the freedom to manage hybrid cloud complexity with ease. With the enterprise cloud, you can combine the agility and simplicity of the public cloud with the security and control you need in a private cloud. No more lock-in, spiraling cost, and data governance issues. To learn more about how Nutanix can free you from IT complexity, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. Today, my guests are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical for the Army, Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director of the Network Cross-Functional Team for the Army, Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab, retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE, and Scott Susie, the director of DOD for Nutanix. Major uh, General Bassett, can you talk a, a little bit to the change, the way that the PEO C3T is looking at developing new or improving current capabilities? There's a mindset sometimes when, we, when people talk about acquisition reform that, that we're sort of a victim of an antiquated process and we're not going to get anything done until we get some relief from that process. And, and while that may be true, my, my approach to it over the years has been that, that good acquisition professionals understand, you know, kind of the options available to them and can exercise them in ways that we can really bend that process to the will of our commanders. And I think especially under the new authorities that have been granted to the services under Section 804 that allow us to, to uh, start with experimentation and do rapid prototyping and rapid fielding, combining that with the contractual mechanisms like other transaction authorities that we talked about earlier, when you combine those things together, it does allow us to, to move out quickly uh, without necessarily a, a, a specific idea of where we might end up, but to move out with intent, iterate on capabilities, uh, what we sometimes describe as a DevOps model. So we'll, we'll put out some minimal capability and grow that over time, figure out what works and doesn't, and then turn those design changes very quickly to improve a product much faster than we could have earlier. Now, we re I recognize that doesn't work in every portfolio. I mean, you probably don't want to design, you know, kind of the next fighter jet that way since, you know, every iteration of hardware has is, uh, is got to be designed and built. But on the software side, on the network side, I think it gives us tremendous flexibility. And I think we've already shown an ability working through the cross-functional team to field a, a new network, network, a new network for the Army's Security Force Assistance Brigades, the SVABs, which we were able to put out very quickly, knowing it wasn't perfect, but with the confidence that what we were delivering was significantly better than what we would have given those soldiers had we given them only the last generation of hardware and software. And so, so that, that mindset of get it out there, improve upon it over time, iterate the design, rather than waiting for a perfect solution, uh, I think it's been a major mindset change in the way we've gone about doing business. We've not allowed, you know, perfect to become the enemy of fielded. And in doing so, we've been able to keep up better with the technology cycle so that we're not fielding yesterday's technology tomorrow. Can I, can I jump in here? Please, I, Angela, I jump in. I think something that can really complement that emphasis on rapid fielding is um, rigorous emulation-based analysis. Uh, one of the things that's really difficult in evaluating future communication technologies to operate in complex environments is, you know, actually running through all of those test cases. And so that DevOps approach is great, uh, but there's a huge cost in the testing of the capabilities, and you really need to test in, in the kind of scale, duration, and complexity of the environments that, that these systems need to operate in. And so taking a 
an emulation-based approach to do comprehensive end-to-end analysis of system performance in a repeatable way uh, and a way that emulates, you know, real operational scale and complexity of scenarios can really complement that, you know, rapid prototyping and fielding and, and, and DevOps approach to kind of give you some rigorous engineering um, engineering based analysis that can help inform uh, inform decision making through through technical assessments Angela go one step further the the networking the communication side of this is when you talk about the austere environments and the complexity are the networking side is the communication side getting easier even in these austere environments or is it still a lot based on satellite and, and dependent on getting connected back to somewhere else and then can connect to the the main, if you will, set of circuits, routers, switches, and such? You know, I think that we need all of the above. We need to be able to operate fully connected and and with reach back, but we can't rely on on that connectivity. And and that's one of the challenges with bringing commercial capabilities to the the warfighters. There's tremendous advances in the commercial world and and with cloud computing and software-defined radios and, you know, Lots of virtualized programmable networking capabilities. Uh, the, the 5G communications umbrella that incorporates a lot of new orchestration and, and waveforms. There's great potential improvements, but there are challenges in these environments where even when you are denied SATCOM, even when you're jammed, even when you've got a, a persistent cyber threat, you still need to be able to get the most critical messages through. And, and you know, that was what, what was brought up before about using whatever is available. Scott, I'm going to bring you in for the last word of part one of this show. Talk to me about what, what you heard from Angela, but also what you heard from uh, General Bassett and, and Colonel Ryan. One of the things that we started the conversation with was the whole cloud discussion. You know, one of the things that I hear in talking with, with DOD customers across the board is everybody's trying to move to the cloud. They want to move to the cloud not because they want to put their applications and data in somebody else's data center. They don't want to worry about what it takes to set up the complex infrastructure. They want to hand that off to somebody who knows how to do it a lot better than they do. So that I think you know what we keep hearing over and over again with the, the complications with the network when we get out into these environments is that we can't always rely if we do put these things back into a, you know, into a cloud environment, we have to have those same capabilities regardless of whether the, the, uh, the network is up and down. So one thing is the, the communications and, you know, the, the messages that we're, we're trying to send back and forth. But the second thing is there are, there are certain applications, whether they're command and control, ISR, that we're, that we're using in the battlefield that need to be up and functioning regardless of whether we have a network that we're getting through. And so... That's one of the things that uh, that private industry is focusing on is how do we take those technologies that exist in the cloud and, again, simplify them and make them as easy to use even in a disconnected environment as we get into the battlefield. On that note, we're going to say thank you to our guests for part one, and we ask our listeners to tune in for part two of the show as we continue our conversation. You've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Let me first uh, thank my guests for part one, and they're going to join us for part two as well. But my guests are Major General David Bassett, the Program Executive Officer for Command, Control and Communications Tactical for the Army, Colonel Rob Ryan, the Deputy Director for the Network, cross-functional team for the Army, 
Dr. Angela Dalton, the Communications and Networking Group Supervisor for the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Retired Lieutenant General Steve Boutel, who is now a Senior Visiting Fellow at MITRE. And Scott Susie, the Director of the DOD for Nutanix. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com, keyword NTNX.